0: We're talking about what you're doing at the Milwaukee Art Museum, which is really interesting. Uh, you're doing a kind of free therapy session for black and brown communities this spring, and it's kicks off in March. So before we get into those sessions, talk to me about the, the, the kind of the story of where Black Space started.
1: Sure, so Black Space started with myself, Corey Fells, and Darius Smith, the other co-founders. It started during the time of the um, Floyd murder, as well as COVID. It was a time where everyone was very angry, also very sad, depressed, and isolated. They all happened at the same time, and there was a huge need for people to get together just to talk about what was going on with them at the time. And still currently, mental wellness um, was not really being paid attention to, but the light was shining bright on some of the underlying factors, especially stigma. So what we wanted to do is break the stigma of mental wellness within our black and brown communities. So we came together and thought, you know what, we need to really do something about it. So the guys came to me and said, you know what, Dr. Knox, we want to just have free group therapy for everybody in Milwaukee, like right now. And I said, well, no, that can't be possible. First of all, it's unethical. You can't be everyone's therapist in Milwaukee. Secondly... Um, We have to figure out a way to get everyone together in a safe and beautiful space. And the best way to do that is to introduce people to the process of therapy, especially our black and brown communities, because generally we tend not to go as often to individual therapy. So why not have group therapeutic experiences so that people can get a feel for how that looks, how that feels, and then if they like it, we can let them know that, hey, There are black and brown therapists out there that can give you this same vibe, this same feel of safety, love, and nurturing, and go from there. So that's how Black Space was created, and we developed these groups. But once again, the caveat is they're free of charge. They're also in safe, beautiful spaces, and provided by a black or brown therapist that's licensed.
0: You mentioned the word stigma. And... Talk about the stigma. What is the stigma in the communities? What what do you mean by the stigma?
1: So first of all, when you talk about mental health, it comes from a deficit, like most medical models. You know, as soon as you say, you know what, are you sick? Is there something wrong with you? Are you mentally ill? Well, first of all, mental wellness. When you say it, you say it with a smile. (laughs) Your mouth can't help but to say well. But as soon as you say it, something wrong with you. No, I'm not crazy. Nothing's wrong with me. I'm fine. I'm fine. We were taught from our black and brown communities that we are strong. We are healthy no matter if we're not. So admitting that something is going on with us that doesn't feel right, um, there's a stigma against being weak, Um, that feeling of shame and guilt, that something is going on and we actually need help. So that's number one stigma. Also admitting that something happened to us that maybe wasn't supposed to happen, we blame that on ourselves. There's also a lack of accessibility, not knowing where to get these resources and being able to actually go and get them. The affordability, there's a shame in, I can't afford these resources, and so there's that stigma of, you know, black and brown people can't afford this, or, you know, depression, anxiety, those kind of things. That's for white folks. We we don't get those days off. We just have to keep on going so that stigma is there when in fact we are breaking those stigmas every single day now.
0: You made something clear that it's provided by, the therapy is provided by people that look like us. Yes. Why is that so important? It is
1: so very important. 50% of people that attend a first session, if that therapist does not look like us, We tend not to go back. We connect with a person that looks like us because right then and there, 50% of that conversation is gone. So now I don't have to explain to you my blackness. I don't have to explain to you why my parents said certain things or did certain things because now I understand your culture. And even if maybe I don't, it is assumed that I understand this blackness or this brownness between us. So now I can just jump right into the issues if I'd like. So it's very important, those nuances, growing up in those same neighborhoods, maybe having the same cultural family beliefs, whether it be religion, whether it be how to raise kids, or just simply I understand the languages that we're using. So now I don't have to explain that to you whenever I'm telling you my story. We're natural storytellers, we're griots. And so that's how we heal and that's how we talk. And a black around therapist will definitely understand that. And,
0: personal note, like I suffer through depression, anxiety, ongoing. And I guess during the, shortly after the pandemic, I was like, oh, let me try to find somebody that looks like me. And, like, the ones that were, like, part of my insurance plan, they were all booked up and they had no time. So basically I just said, okay, oh well. And then I was you know, watching YouTube videos and all these online better help. Now we have therapists and I'm like, I don't know if I wanna to talk to somebody online. And So again, there's I forgot about it and I just, as you say, just deal with it and find other ways to try to take care of it. Probably not in a healthy way, but I, I, I see the issue here, personally I see the issue. It's, it's, it's very frustrating. So talk to me, how'd you partner with Milwaukee Art Museum to host these sessions that happen in March?
1: what we curate is being at grandma's house, being in a place that is just simply beautiful. Um, Our counterparts, whenever they have meetings and things like that, they're in penthouse suites. They're in beautiful places with art and beautiful flowers and trees and huge windows and sunshine and even city-lined streets. Or they can see the city and the businesses and the lights. Why can't we? Many times in black communities, um, when we have these meetings, maybe we're at the bottom of the church after fellowship hall, after chicken and fish are fried. And now, okay, now we have about a half an hour. So now you can use our room or we're the community center after 12 games of hustle. Okay, you can use that back room. Absolutely not. We are worth it. So when we thought about it, we thought, Wow, we met Dr. Canterra, who is absolutely fabulous and wonderful. And the Milwaukee Art Museum its a place where black and proud people never saw themselves. It wasn't a place where we came and thought we fit in. But really, we absolutely do. So I'll let Dr. Canterra speak more about that.
2: Thanks, Dr. Knox. I want to extend what Dr. Knox was saying about beauty. And my research, my doctorate is in art and performance in the African diaspora. And so two things struck me while I was listening to you, Dr. Knox. One is um, that that stigma about us being afraid of being seen as crazy or less than exists not only like in African american culture but i see it in nigerian haitian culture my folks who identify as latinx we talk about that all the time my like aapi folks like it is like a global stigma we could talk about that and its relationship to colonialism. Right. Yes, like it's yes, there. Yes. It's there uh, to make us feel like less than. So, one, that stigma exists globally. And two, as someone who's really committed to studying and embracing black arts across the diaspora, I also know that art and beauty are political. They have been and are the spaces where we. Heal, and there is art for art's sake, but it's, there's also art for uplifting and transforming a whole community and society. And so for me at the Milwaukee Art Museum, I have always wanted it to be an extension of people's wellness toolkit for it to really be a place where we consider art and the museum as part of your holistic wellness. And also as someone who is black, And understands what it feels and looks like to be black in America in a white supremacist society I also wanted to reach out to folks who maybe don't feel safe even thinking about coming to the Milwaukee Art Museum that feel like that is a space that is too beautiful quote-unquote for them or inaccessible for them and I realized that Black Space is doing amazing work. And to partner with them is to also extend the doors and literally open the doors to people who, one, may never have come to the art museum, and two, who maybe don't always think about beautiful spaces, spaces that belong to them, that will catch and hold them at their worst. And so for me, it was like a no-brainer. It was like the, the barest basic thing that we could do.
0: Um, so we're looking at the, the schedule, you broke it up. <clears throat> so you broke it up for women, LGBTQIA+, And men. I assume the the mental issues and needs are different. Can you explain to me, like, when it comes to mental health for black women and brown women, what is the difference between the needs mentally for them compared to men and LGBTQ?
1: Sure. So if you think about it, and let's think about us as um, black and brown people, and let's draw this picture. So. We're all at get together, and we're with our family. And so we walk in the door, everybody hugs each other. We're so happy to see each other. And gradually and naturally, who goes to the kitchen? all of the women, and they're happy and they're hugging, and even if someone doesn't cook, even if someone doesn't clean, but that tends to be the gathering place, the warmness, the food smelling good. People are just talking about the kids, that that warm, that, that hearth there, and so they're talking about different problems. They're talking about different gifts and all the things, and as soon as a man comes in there, what tends to happen? Voices get low. <laughs> they look. Do you need anything? Would you like something Is everything all right? Okay. And they're silent until the man tends to leave. So let's say now the men they go to the backyard. Maybe they're barbecuing. Perhaps they're playing cards or dominoes. Whatever's going on, they're taking the young. Come on, boy, get out the kitchen. Gone. You come on with us. Get all the young men out there. They're talking about life. They're raising men. They have rites of passage. They're doing their thing the masculine black and brown things that men do in that society. They're talking about things that matter. Yes, they might need that nurturance of a woman, but mainly that's what they do and they have their own issues and things that are going on. So when the woman comes, you need something? <laughs> Would you like something? More? You want something? More? You're okay? And then there's that silence. She goes there. Within the LGBTQIA plus communities, there are several things that go on there, especially in the black and brown communities, because within the bigger LGBTQIA community where all of the ethnicities are black and brown, LGBTQIA citizens are generally invisible. And sometimes their issues are matched and blended in with ethnic issues. And it should not be that way. Mm-hmm. So their voices aren't heard well. So they have different kinds of mental health issues that are challenges, not only being black and brown, but also being a black and brown person within the LGBTQIA plus community is a whole different ballgame that needs to be discussed that can't and generally is not discussed within spaces of health, touching black and brown bodies, physicians, things like that, or within families, either not being accepted or are black and brown people not understanding or not wanting to understand, there's a stigma there, so on and so forth. So I facilitate all of the groups as of now. And so being culturally aware and culturally intentional is the number one value that we have. And so any therapist that comes on board needs to have that knowledge. And how I just explained it, if you don't have that, no matter what black and brown you are, there's no way that you can facilitate this group. So you have to be well aware of those mental wellness issues and challenges among black and brown women, black and brown men, and black and brown LGBTQIA plus communities. So to answer your question, yes, there are very much so different challenges for each group.
0: So let's say someone wants to go, and they're like, <clears throat> they see it, and like, I, I should go. But I don't know what to expect. I'm, I'm I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm So what do you tell that person? What What's the expectations? What should they expect to happen at this, uh, this session?
1: Sure. So first, it is okay to be scared and nervous because you don't know us like that. Mm-hmm. However, just know that we understand that. So you come on and we are welcoming you with open arms. First, go to our website. Look at the pictures, feel the vibe, because we believe visual is a wonderful thing. If you want someone to read it to you, if you are differently able, that's fine. Talk to someone who's been there before. We do have information of others who've been there who don't mind you calling them and asking those questions. Next, when you come in. We do greet you with hellos, warmness. We will ask you if you don't mind getting a hug or giving one. Also, we provide food because how can you possibly pay attention or feel loved and warm if your belly is not full or at least okay? Because you're coming after work, you're coming after school, or you're just coming to a new place where you're like, I don't know what to expect. Also, we sit in the round and so we make sure that you have something to do with your hands we have stress um whether it be something to hold your hands with balls things like that uh expect laughter mm-hmm. expect tears expect a group of people who have probably been through somewhat of what you've been through mm-hmm. who have probably talked about something never or even for the first time so you won't be the only one expect love expect empathy, expect compassion, expect to build community.
2: I would say also to expect privacy and confidentiality. So these sessions happen at a day and a time when the museum is closed to the public, primarily so that The folks who attend know that this is your space. You don't have to worry about anyone coming through. Um, You can also expect that we will have ma'am security guards who are there to open the door and to like greet you and welcome you into the space and also to like help you navigate your space. Um, You can expect to be in the biggest work of art (laughs) in the Milwaukee Art Museum's collection in that white Santiago Calatrava building, but you can also expect to see works of art when you're there and also expect to be invited back because we will give you community dialogue passes so that you can come back to the museum for free with two adults and up to four children, 17 and under. Primarily, and this is, I think, tied to the idea of it's not one session and then you leave, right? There's invitations to come back, but also... The science has shown that when you are in a museum for just 20 minutes, your cortisol levels drop, right? So that's your stress hormone mm-hmm. drops, and that is that is the extension of your mental health wellness, wellness toolkit. So you can expect to get that. And Dr. Rock Knox is right. It's I think that I had my own misunderstanding of what group therapy was supposed to look like because uh, my first experience with group therapy was with a culturally non-responsive therapist who did not look like me. And so in these sessions, it really is like bell hooks, sisters of the yam. And even in the sessions where I've been present, where LGBTQIA plus folks or the men come, I am always surprised by the diversity of bodies and ages and people who show up um, ready to sort of be in each other's company.
0: Just like anything, working out once doesn't really help the body. Mm -hmm. You know, going to therapy once doesn't Mm -hmm. help really Mm -hmm. the issues. Mm -hmm. So do you give them opportunities? Is there a chance to do follow-up therapy? Is there a toolkit to take home to learn how to cope? So what is like the after the session? What happens after follow-up?
1: Absolutely. So we'll just talk about the during, which leads to the after. (laughs) So during, because it is All applicable. Um, We talk about uh, we usually have a topic and then people speak on it right away. Well, this is what happens with me sometimes. Well, me, too. Well, me, too. Um, We definitely have toolkits. So strategies to use um, when it comes to certain things that go on. And everyone can pretty much utilize those according to their personality and their issues. We give away things that they can use, um, whether it be in paper, form, print or online. We also have a um, resource list, um, one for um black and brown men one for black and brown women and one for black and brown lgbtqia plus communities so what i do is i make sure to partner with other therapists that are black and brown within our community who have said yep we have openings and so i make sure to call them every quarter and say okay what's your list looking like because as you spoke about i've called and they either have been booked or they haven't answered the phones Mm -hmm. or on my insurance card they're not available and that is true black and brown therapists are the lowest paid Mm -hmm. and overworked Mm -hmm. and so that is very much so the truth however what i do is i continue to call i say please um Let them know that Dr. Knox sent you or that Black Space sent you. Keep calling. And I tell them the techniques, keep calling keep letting them know, okay, I'll fill out that other intake sheet because there is a special way to do it because mm-hmm. there's only 4% of us mm-hmm. in the United States, which means there's 4% of us here. There are some wonderful um, partnerships that we have with Mindstar, mm-hmm. um, Amri. Uh, all, there's so many that I can name, but they we have a huge list. So that's a list that they will get. Um, we have QR codes right there in the group. They can just do it right with mm-hmm. their phone and look at all of those. Um, now we're going to be combining some of the this because we have a lot of therapists that are LGBTQIA plus allied, mm-hmm. as well as they see women and men. Mm-hmm. So that's wonderful. Also, we follow up with them via email. Is there anything else that you need? Um, Is there something else that we can help you with outside of here? Whether it be natural resources or, you know, another. Some people have said, well, you know, I'm having issues with maybe housing or what have you. There are resources out there that we know about that we can get them to. Perhaps they're in school and need supplies or what have you. And they are in their early 20s. Okay, we can help with that as well. So we always have an email list. We make sure to get in touch with them in that way. If they want to get in touch with us, it's fine. We give them our cards so they do have our direct number so they can contact us as well. So we make sure that people are covered. And then I just dial in a number that goes to a voicemail and never to be heard again. And they can come back as many times as they'd like. And they do.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> Got a few more. Um, I know you have these <clears throat> sessions in March. Are there plan, more plan partnership sessions for the rest of the year?
2: Yeah, we aim to do sessions. It's basically about once a quarter, if you think about it, once every three months. So we've got March and then we've got May, June sessions that happen. And then there's usually a fall session that falls somewhere around um, the holiday season where people may tend to. I will speak for myself where I tend to get more stressed out. Mm-hmm. So around the Thanksgiving, Christmas season.
0: Um, Let's talk about black men. Um because i'm one <laughs> mm-hmm. um there's there's an instagram i see on instagram there's a group called black men health i yes. see So, Harry. i see th- there seems to be more of an issue with black men and mental health you mm-hmm. know suicide is a higher rate for mm-hmm. black men 30 percent um i know uh who's the dancer the gentleman ellen's who killed himself
2: um oh dj is it Ty? Um, i just did a whole
1: story uh story with him. I can't remember his
0: name. We can add it in later. But why is that seems to be I mean I'm I'm going from anecdotes twitch. but it seems a data twitch PJ yeah. Twitch, twitch, twitch yes. yeah. It seems to be more of an issue among black men than other groups. I mean is that data true one?
1: So I would say <sighs> it may not be more of an issue with black men. However, the light is shining more on it now and also black men are talking more openly now because it is the stage has been set which mm-hmm. is so good um there are more uh people like us out there that are saying come on let's talk you mentioned black men Hills. um you have uh g's clippers mm-hmm. um with um his uh curated space there mm-hmm. um Uh, You have um, Antoine, just a lot of people in Milwaukee that are doing such wonderful things and have such wonderful spaces. I know with the black men that um, we curate the space for, it is phenomenal how Mm -hmm. when we get there and we talk, it doesn't take five minutes and we are talking Mm -hmm. black men are telling their stories they are speaking about things that are going on with them from wanting to be that person that provides for their families not only financially but physically Mm -hmm. mentally and emotionally they're talking about their relationships not only with their partner but especially with their children Mm -hmm. um, and with their parents Um, occupationally trying to make do and do the best that they can, but being turned around time and time again. Racism and discrimination is the number one highest risk of mental health challenges among black men today. Mm. It's not spoken about as often as it should be, but the research shows that it absolutely is one of the number one highest risk factors, as well as poverty. So if you look to see who is the most impoverished, it's right there. It would be a single black women with children, black men without a certain amount of education or without a trade. And so when we have those groups, they're moving, they're powerful. We have men who pour their hearts out and afterwards they're like, you know what? I'm here for you, brother, let's just change numbers. You know what, can you give us both the list? And they partner up because that's what black and brown men do. It is a myth when people say that they're not there for each other or it's Mm -hmm. crabs in a barrel. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. If you would come to our groups, you would see that that's not it at all. Shaking hands, being there for each other, coming back to the groups together, not only in twos, but in threes. Bringing a friend with them, talking about their children, trying to mentor each other in that space. And they didn't even know each other at first. So, yes, there are certain parts of the mental wellness space where they can talk about these things. And I think these spaces need to be curated because I think the level of suicide and the level of depression i spoken about would decrease. However, it's still there and it's still very prevalent. Dr. We-
2: sorry, can I ask a follow up question sure. on that? Um Is it fair to say that even if you have found yourself a therapist and you love your therapist, by going to group therapy you get the added bonus of connecting with other people and realizing that Oh, I'm not alone in this. Right. And building community and those relationships. Is that one of the benefits? Absolutely.
1: Me? I, with black space, that's what it is. We are an interconnected people, not just connected, interconnected since the village. We rely on each other when we do certain things. For instance, men, black men and women. When I went out to get my Ph.D., for example, I didn't think to myself, well, I can't wait to get this and get these letters behind my name. I said, I mm-hmm. have to get this degree from my family yes. because I have to make sure that I'm able to give them what I need, yeah. put my nieces and nephews through college and what I want to do for this community. Mm-hmm. I have to because there's not many people that look like me with letters behind their name. Yeah. So when I step into those white spaces, mm-hmm. I can be called doctor and then people who look like me can say, if she can do it, I can do it too. Totally. I know her from hillside lapham park lisbon square twenty six mm. and Galena, mm. six in North Avenue. That was not for me mm. for me was a byproduct, but we are interconnected, so those groups it was all a strategy because in groups that's how we are so if I look you in your eye, I am now responsible for you. Mm-hmm. So if we're in this group together, I'm responsible for you. When I see you outside the group, I got you. Even if it's a day I don't want to, mm-hmm. I'm responsible and I still have to have you. Mm-hmm.
0: On the black men thing, is it, do you think also it has to do with the masculinity, the the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the stereotype, the images we see are are. Parents our grandparents you think that plays a huge role the whole
2: I um, Props to Carl like the first therapist that I ever went back to and Carl was a black man, and I'm saying this story because as I thought I was grown then but I wasn't I was like 28 and I remember I chose Carl as my therapist because I said that I Feel like I have trust issues with black men. I feel like this is an important story to tell because It took me a very long time to realize, oh, black men like want to be loved and like want to be vulnerable and are vulnerable to like see that. Right. I have a black father in the home. Like I've got black cousins, but somehow I never really took that need for vulnerability and love seriously with black men. And so part of me feels like that's what I see when I see the space that black space creates. And even in the conversations with Corey and Darius, like this this opening of possibilities of how you can be in the world right it's not a singular way of moving through the world and a lot of it doesn't do the stereotypes of black men that i feel like even in our community we carry with us
1: and my two co-founders are two beautiful wonderful Mm -hmm. strong and able to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. intentionally black men and it's so wonderful because you're absolutely right um i think that in our communities others whether it be at home or in public um see black men in a certain light due to media whether it be social media on television um our counterparts uh viewing them and exploiting them in certain ways emasculating them and now they are trying to break that every single day Mm -hmm. and it is highly stressful Mm -hmm. but to come home and still have that same energy because of what we mm-hmm. as black women have been exposed to as mm-hmm. well, it's very hard. And now you have this conflict within a black man, and he's just trying to fight against it all. What wonderful space as a black space to say, you know what? Come, mm-hmm. I will give you rest. Mm-hmm.
0: One thing is personally I deal with, and some people have said it doesn't exist, is the imposter syndrome.
1: Oh, yes, it is.
0: You know, I'm, I'm <laughs> sharing something with you. I, I run this station, Hyphen. I put a lot of pressure on trying to create mm-hmm. something for us. Mm-hmm. And I go through, am I doing enough? Am I? And yeah. is, I felt like it's taking a toll. So what's your thoughts on imposter syndrome? And how can people like myself and other people of color deal with it if they don't have therapy or can't get the therapy? Like how do you, because it's constant on like every day. Like I was awarded Black Excellence Awards and I felt like I didn't deserve it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You're sitting there and like, you hear the stories of other people like, why am I here? Mm-hmm. So, so how, do you, how, do, how, do, how do people, what kind of things can people take away if they don't have therapy, don't have a therapist
1: access on that issue alone? Well, first I'll start with this. You are the man. So I'll leave that there. And then I we can all talk about it and then I will I will definitely give you some techniques because I, we all go through it as black people. But do you have any?
2: I will come back to techniques, but I will say that I feel like I deal with imposter syndrome. That's what I was talking about. If you have an example of yeah. imposter syndrome. I mean I have a PhD behind my name. I work in a beautiful space. I'm in a leadership position. And I feel like there's maybe not a week that goes by when I feel like I'm not doing enough and that I haven't done enough and that there's still more to do. And I will say that um, personally, I feel like it leaves me feeling tired Mm -hmm. and like, dang, when am I going to arrive? Like, (laughs) when can I take a break? Yeah. Yeah. And I will say that my therapist has been invaluable in that, but I would also say that my... um, my group of sister friends and colleagues have also been really invaluable for having a mirror. And like, we were texting today, like Dr. Knox, Corey, and I, because I was like, I don't, I don't feel too good just letting you know I got a bit of a cold. And Dr. Knox was like, girl, you need to take care of yourself. And I could hear her Dr. Knoxing me. And I mentioned that because sometimes you just need people in your corner who say there is this myth that you have to work that much harder to get half as far as other people. That was what I was raised to. Yeah. Exactly. And my, my mom, too, I could see and my parents who are immigrants and how hard they work and feel like I need to work as hard to thank them for all that they put me through. And I think that having the people in your corner who remind you the importance of resting and taking care of yourself and that you are enough just by virtue of being mm-hmm. born and being here has been really invaluable. So yes and yes,
1: um, imposter syndrome has been a part of my life probably since I was yay high um always been an overachiever but that struggle of not wanting to be because of where i grew up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and looked at as overachieving is a negative mm-hmm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. um and then uh once i got to a certain space and time and being the only one in spaces and trying just extra extra on everything it's very exhausting mm-hmm. to this day um and people saying, Oh, you've arrived. You may you're doing so well and TV and radio and look at I saw you here girl <laughs> mm-hmm. and there girl and oh my gosh. And I'm thinking, thank you so much. And I'm up at five o'clock in the morning doing twice as hard to make sure I either stay there or exceed mm-hmm. higher and still not feeling as though it is enough. And social comparison Mm -hmm. is one of the main um, things that a lot of our our youth and us go through. Mm -hmm. And so some of the things that I have um, suggested and counseled my clients as well as myself in is number one. When you think about these things and you know what, I still don't feel like I'm there or I'm enough yet. Looking in the mirror and not the mirror that you see, but those people that have said to you you have done a fantastic job i cannot believe like i want to do what you do or man how did you do that getting a journal whether it be Mm -hmm. verbal to your phone or writing and just write down all the things that you've heard within that week every week like just keep it and then start looking back at it and i know it sounds so cliche (laughs) But you will look at it and be like, okay, so on those days where you're feeling like are those moments, because it comes from me like mm-hmm. every 20 minutes, <laughs> and looking back at those and saying, you know what, the world is your mirror. Your first mirror is your parent mm-hmm. or that person that raised mm-hmm. you. How could it not be? And so when we don't feel as though we are enough or we are doing enough, those accolades, and I mean from the trusted people, mm-hmm those accolades, those hugs, or you're doing so well for our community, or write the one down I said today, what did I say?
2: You're the man. That's what she said, Tyreek, you're the man.
1: (laughs) And what we tend to do is we don't want to be cognizant of that, so we forget. Like, I'm going to see you somewhere in the next six months. I'm rolling up on you, and I'm going to say, so do you remember what I said to you? And what we'll do subconsciously
2: Yeah. Yeah, It's forget it.
1: So what we have to start doing is tapping into that subconscious. And if we can't write those things down, also looking back at the awards, looking back at how it feels, not just verbally, but physically, like, how did that feel to get that award that day? Give me three words, how it felt? Because I know plenty of people that went there and I wasn't even able to go. People were like... You can't have a ticket. But um <laughs> how did three words of how it felt to get that award?
0: Honestly, there was joy. Joy. Um, but to be honest, there was it was clouded with do I deserve this? Right. So mm hmm. You know, it was joy and I had my coworkers and my my partner Ray was there and mm-hmm. it was nice, but I just I couldn't have a hundred percent joy.
1: So this is where the practice comes in. You had joy. The subconscious comes in with imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is a cognitive distortion. First, oh my god! Second, do I deserve this? <sighs> write down joy. that Whatever that feeling is, mm. that's what. And then you continuously catch that, catch it, write it down. The imposter syndrome stuff will come but that's that cognitive distortion is what it's called Mm. that comes after. And that's the thing you feel about yourself because of what we've been through, our black trauma, what the world has given us, all of the Mm. things that happened because we're the only one, we're less than so on Mm. and so forth. But write those, those things down that people have said about you positively that you felt inside that joy, all of the things. Final question is,
0: is, I want to ask a question about the group that's not part of this. White allies or friends in the community, if you have white friends or allies, and they probably want to say, like, how should I help? Sure. What's your answer to that?
1: That is a wonderful question. And even though they're not a part of these groups, they absolutely are. So um, Black Space and Milwaukee Mm -hmm. Art Museum, which uh, Dr. Quintero will talk about. Um, So we definitely um, have people that donate and we we'll love to continue to do so, whether it be money, space is Also, um, black space definitely indulges in uh, community um, mm-hmm. workshops and teaching. So we teach cultural competence mm-hmm. within communities. Many times it's just held at schools and academia and things like that, but uh, we partnered with Black Lens at one time, and we continue to do this throughout um, Wisconsin and throughout the state. So we offer cultural competency Um, workshops for communities. That means neighborhoods, homes, um, schools, all the above. And you can come and learn about what it means to be culturally competent within your community. How do you sit next to someone that you eat with, work with, play with, and be a wonderful ally? Those who say, well, how can I help her? I don't know how to help her even. I don't want. I don't. I don't even want to help. What does that mean? From that level on up, what do we do with this? So providing knowledge, skill, but out of love, out of nurturance, and out of pure empathy and understanding and support, um, there are a lot of people within our area who are very much so there and willing to do these things. But mainly, have a love for doing what is right. So there are so many allies here and we're so willing to make sure that they have a part in this as well.
2: I have so many thoughts on this. Please do. Many of them might need to be edited out. <laughs> they, they shall,
1: they shall.
2: Um, I, part of me feels like if you wanna be an ally, then to humble yourself and to listen, instead of coming in hot and asking questions or offering critique or ideas about what to do. Um, The other part of me, and this is me speaking as someone who um, works in a museum, I think that part of being an ally is also realizing that people need spaces for different things, and so... Black space is one entryway into stepping into a museum. And if you're someone who's never felt uncomfortable going into a museum, and I've always had that privilege behind you, then realize this is one avenue of extending that same privilege to not think about it to others. Um, I would also say sometimes being a good ally is also putting your money where your mouth is and supporting black space because um, we benefit by having our neighbors be healthy and feeling well and feeling loved upon and loving of themselves and I think truly um, it's it goes back to like Combahee River Collective and black women like if if black women are whole and healed then the whole of this nation is whole and healed and i would say that about the city of milwaukee too if black folks in the city of milwaukee are whole and healed and feel like they've got it because they've got these resources then the whole city of milwaukee is whole and healed and has got it
0: thank you that's great that's a great point to end on so thank you very much for talking about the uh black space therapy group therapy experiences happening all all march and be on the lookout for more later mm-hmm. this year?
1: Yes.